so? Every now and then, if they ever ask me to come back and speak again, I'm going to have them play church club. <laughs> what we're going to do. I want you to know that if you're not having fun being a Christian, it's not, it's not God's fault. If you're not having issues, then you're lying. But that doesn't mean we don't have the God that solves the issues. And it doesn't mean that during the solving of these issues that it's not carving out the image of Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. We're always blaming God for the issues that we're in. Most of them we cause ourselves. Come on, somebody. I know. I cause it myself. Now, Cheney doesn't. She, somebody else causes hers. But I cause mine myself. I really do. And then there's times that I know that I'm being disciplined, and I was talking to Jason about that. Being disciplined as a time that it happens doesn't seem much of a pleasure. But bless God when it's over with. I'll never forget being whipped by my daddy. How can you ever forget being whipped by your daddy if you ever were whipped by your daddy? I don't mean spank. There wasn't a spanking. There was a lawnmower cord coming off his belt, I mean, you know, off his waist, and it was time to work out. He was getting his cardio right then on me. And y'all how little I was, just one lick would have been enough. But I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than when it was over. Come on, somebody. Nothing greater than when it was over. Oh, my God. Well, it's the same way with the Lord. My daddy would always tell me, this is not true. It hurts me more than it does you. Now, Daddy, you quit that lying. You turn around and let me do it to you. And then we're going to see if this equates equally. Amen? Something's wrong here. You know, today I want to talk to you about a topic that I think is such a challenge today. <clears throat> I, I think that if I ask several people in here the definition of a Christian, which is the title today, definition of a Christian, what would it be? What would it be like? I think we forget that that's the foundation of the definition of a Christian. And I couldn't find one gross enough. This is the grossest picture I could find. But I wanted his, I wanted a picture where his chest was torn completely open and his guts were hanging out. I wanted a picture where one eye was maybe resting on one cheek. I did. I wanted a picture that really depicted what this surfer that's six foot two and blonde hair and blue eyes is really not what he is today, but how we depict him because we're Americans and that's the way we think he walked. In Isaiah chapter 33, it says he wasn't much to look at. He really wasn't. I think he was about like me. I, th- I do. I'm not being funny. Some of you in here ought to look in the mirror and go, surely he looked about like me. Why? Because I'm not much to look at. It's the truth. I'm not being facetious. I'm telling you right now. I don't think he was tall. I don't think he was, uh, I don't think he had anything outside of him that you looked at him and went, man, there's Jesus. I think the anointing and the purpose of God on his life is what stood out and you couldn't stop it from its influence. But that's not Christianity today. That's not how we define Christianity. I promise you if I ask everybody in here, define for me what a Christian is, here's what you'd tell me. You ready? 
want anybody that believes in Jesus. Anybody that believes in Jesus, that's a Christian, right? Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you'll be saved. But I think it goes way beyond that, but I just think that's how we think Christianity is, that we're not changed from the rest of the world as long as we said what we said. The belief may be just superficial, but it doesn't matter. We say we believe it, so we must be saved. We must be going to heaven. There's not a transformation, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. There's nothing. The old is not gone. The old is not gone. That's how we define Christianity. The Bible says, or is it 5.17? It says the old is gone and the new has come. When has your old left? Everybody goes, well, I believe. Well, if you believe, it alters your behavior. I'm not mad. I'm just preaching. I know y'all don't hear this on Facebook or you don't hear it on live stream because, you know, you're supposed to be, I know I'm supposed to look different. But you know what? Belief is supposed to cause you to, and I'm not talking about this superficial stuff. Listen to me. Jesus looked different because he was different. He was in the world, but he was not of the world, but he controlled the world. He created the world. He was ruler of the universe. But he wasn't part of the fallen race, except in this fashion. I want you to get a look at that. I wished it was grosser. I wished it was worse. I wished it, I just wished we could, I wished you could see his whole body that he was naked. I wished you could see that he was gutted like a fish, that his back looked like a plowed field. And then I want to ask you again, what's the definition of Christian? Oh, I, I, I believe in Jesus. What do you believe in him? That he did the Sermon on the Mount? I've been where the Sermon on the Mount supposedly was. You like those words? Those are great words, but they're supposed to be transforming words that separates us from the world today. But still, we want to act like, talk like, walk like. But I tell you, they better not ever do that again, but I believe in Jesus. I can do what I want to do, but they, listen, I don't, I think that's so immature. I think it's so worldly to say I can do what I want to do and nobody can tell me when the truth is I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what he wants to do. So how can you have a belief in the Jesus having a description of a Christian and tell me, but I can do what I want to do? Well, you haven't had a transformation. The devil says he believes. He hadn't been transformed. But he's going swimming soon. Come on, somebody. You want to swim with him? If he believes and he's going swimming, he has a different kind of belief than we do. Because, see, he doesn't believe God. See, when you say something is God, that means it's ruler over the universe and you're subservient to it. Not, I believe in Jesus, but I'll do whatever the hell I want to do. So that's a Christian? I'm sorry, but that's the description today. 
That's the description. Well, it's the church you go to. You know, if you go to this church and you act like this and you do this and you do that, you confess to them, you confess to that, you wear this, you wear that, the preacher has to look like this, look like that, walk like that, talk like that, make sure his breath smells so bad that you stay far enough away from him that they don't want an altar ministry. And we don't come to the altar anyway because somebody could be embarrassed. Somebody might get saved. Somebody might get delivered. What does belief mean? That you keep your old sorry attitude and everybody else knows to stay away from you? But I believe in Jesus. When you get in a bind, you call upon him. That's when you call upon him. Circumstantial. You're a crisis Christian. We got the corona corruption and it's drove most of us away from God. That's what it is, corona corruption. That's what I truly believe it is. I think it's always been that. I think it's the biggest farce. Yes, I think you can get sick from it. My wife did. She survived. Many people have survived. Do I think many people have died? I would have to say not near as many as we have been told. I'm just telling you the truth. And then you go to our political polytheism. I better be quiet for it. <laughs> Listen, if you think this, this election bothered me and my faith in God, y'all need to wake up. First of all, some of y'all got too tied up in that. Let me just help you a little bit. It's God is your focus, not who's... I didn't tell you don't vote. Vote how you want to vote. But the true point is you better make Jesus not 2020, but 20 dot, 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 dot. Yeah. That's who he is elected. Whoever's running this country, we pray for him no matter who it is, no matter what it is, no matter the situation. But the description of a Christian is different than those that are of the world. And the world is crying to see a real one. Now, but you understand, I don't like them because they don't worship, they don't lift their hands. I don't care if you lift your hands. I don't like them because they waller on the floor. I don't care if they waller on the floor. Listen, if you'd have seen the dance that David did when he came in, when the ark came into town, he wasn't in rhythm. David was acting like the biggest monkey that's ever acted, but he was so giving God the glory that he absolutely knew that God had used him to restore the presence of God in the, in the house. I think we look at too many people and think God couldn't use them, when in reality is he's not using you because you judged that person that said he, God couldn't use them. God wants to use anybody that wants to be used, but I think we have to decide what even a Christian is. I'm the pastor of this church for a short while. And just think about this. I have to have a different example than everybody else does in town, even different than you. If I was washing my car at the White House and I put one beer on top of my car, and that's all I was going to drink, For the last 40 years, I would lose my witness in this town. Say what you want to. Now, you can go out and get tanked up at any star bar there is, but I can't do that. I don't want to do that. But see, we see me even as different in Christianity. We don't see each other as being sons and saints and even high priests. We don't see ourselves like that. We even differentiate between Christians in the house. 
I'll never forget when I first got saved, I thought everybody loved Jesus the way I felt. I found out real quickly. When somebody that was 40 years old in the faith told me I'd fall just like the rest, just wait. Well, by the grace of God, I haven't. But that's what they told me. That's how I was encouraged. I was in one of those hymnal churches that everybody just focused on always rededicating. How can you rededicate your rededicator? I mean, your rededicator has to be completely wore out after a while. How can I repent for sins I've already been forgiven for? Over and over and God's going, I can only die once, I can't die twice. Either that's good enough or it's not good at all. I've always wondered why we don't fill this house up. I always think it's me. You know, you always take it personal. You do. You always take it personal. You always take it personal because I haven't transformed enough. I'm not telling you to feel sorry for me. I don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Nobody else does. Huh? That's why nobody else should feel sorry for you. Every time you feel, I want you to get this picture in your head. I wished it was worse. I wished you see his guts hanging out everywhere and blood splattered more than it really is because then you might realize what it's really all about. Because you don't really realize it until you see him as he was and why he did what he did. The definition of a Christian. Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, how come the old has not left camp? How come I'm waiting for the world to give me a solution to the solution? That is just not bad enough. That's not bad enough. That cry is a cry for you. Don't you understand? That's a cry for you. If there's ever been a cry for you, there's been a cry for you. I used to think I knew how to describe a Christian, but it's become a little blurred between the lines. I want you to hear me today. I don't want you to miss on this because Christianity has truly become blurred. I don't even know anymore. Just talking to people. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I I got saved, you know, 10 years ago. But how come, but how come, but, well then how come, I'm not judging you, I'm just asking you, if there truly was salvation and you believe, you know what believe means? Believe means I quit what I used to believe and follow what I do believe. That's true belief. I quit something and I Follow what I now believe. It's a little blurred. I don't think it's black and white anymore. And I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about the definition of a Christian so we don't hurt anybody's feelings. Jesus died for all, and if it hurts your feelings, that's too bad. Worried about hurting your feelings? Listen to me. I want you to choose Jesus, and you'll stop trying to form your own identity. Don't you understand the only true identity is you and Jesus? Amen. Other than that, you have no identity. You're just like the rest of the world. You want to look different? Do it. I don't care. This flesh ain't nothing. It's going to burn up like everything else, but go ahead. Do your flesh how you want to do your flesh. But here's my deal. What's your heart doing? So he says, well, I got tattoos. So do I. I just cover them up or defend most of you. I don't care about tattoos. Get 20 of them. Get 30 of them. If you want to get them on your face, I'm going to love you anyway. Get them on your face. I don't care. Amen. 
What I want to know is, do you believe if you're born again? And if you're born again, does your belief match what you're saying? Do your actions, and I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about submission to the Most High God. Or was this just a picture for you today? Well, you'll go home and go, hey, that's, that's, wish you wouldn't have put that up there. That kind of made me mad. I mean, I, I think that, you know, some hymnals take the blood out because you're not supposed to talk about blood. You take away the blood, you take away the church. I don't want to have my own personal definition of a Christian apart from the Bible. But even now, I'm learning in the world that everybody has their own definition. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It's just your definition. It's not for me to determine who's going to heaven and who's not. But the Bible even says you know a tree by its fruit. Right? You know the tree by its fruit. Well, if you know the tree... Here's the foundational truth of a believer. If you don't know this, then you, you really struggle. You ready? 2 Corinthians 5.21 <clears throat> For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. He made him to be sin. He made him to take on the sin of the world to be sin. Not just so that we can be born again, but so that sin does no longer have ownership of us. That's where I think we get divided in our definitions many times. Okay, so Christ became sin. No, he became your sin. He became my sin. When he talked to the prostitute, what did he tell her? Go and sin no more. It wasn't that she was never going to sin. At that moment in time, he was telling her, you're not going to be a prostitute ever again in your life. Because the one who could condemn her didn't. He set her free. See, the cross is not to condemn you. The cross is telling you, I took your place. I'm taking your place. I became what you are. Even in your thoughts. He had a crown of thorns. That controls the mind. Even in his thoughts. Even in his soul. He had a spear stuck through his side. Even even what your hands can do. What did he have? Nails driven through him. Even where your feet can take you. What happened? He had a nail through both of them. It's not just an empty thing that it's the cross. It's an empty, it's empty because we look at it and then we forget it and turn around and walk out through the rest of the day and forget. I'm not trying to make you ever mindful of this scene. I'm trying to make you ever mindful that you're a son and a saint. It's not just this town that needs a Jesus. It's a world that needs a Jesus. Why can't they start here? Why can't in LaGrange there be a revival? Why can't the revival start here? A revival is not for the lost. A revival begins with those that are saved realizing what really happened to them. I believe in Jesus. Why, when you step out the door, you act like you don't believe in Jesus. I'm not condemning you today. I'm telling you, he was condemned for everything you're going to do against him even today. The foundation 
He hath made him to be sin. So I can be the righteousness of God. Now I want you to hear that. You know what that means, the righteousness of God is? That means you take on the form of Jesus in this world because sin is no longer held against you. So you don't have to ignore the sin that you participated in. You can know if you're really a believer, God doesn't even see it. But it still doesn't give you a license to sin. Where sin ground, grace does more abound, but grace is already there to set you free from making that decision in the second place. Romans 10, 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. What's God's righteousness? Somebody help me. What is God's righteousness? Go back to the cross. We're missing it. Thank you. For you being ignorant of God's righteousness. What is God's righteousness? Jesus, so you're, what, what you're not understanding and why you're not producing the fruit that you've been called to produce is you're ignorant of the cross. You're not under, ignorant means you're not stupid. It means you don't really understand what the cross is, what it does and what it did. You don't understand. You're ignorant of God's righteousness. God's righteousness is found in Christ Jesus. And if you truly have believed and received him as your Lord and Savior. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can see some of y'all are not very excited about this. You know why? Because when you begin to think you're the righteousness of God, you're thinking, so people are looking at me like I'm supposed to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. 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 No matter where I am, they're supposed to be seeing this Jesus I talk about. This Jesus that I said so saved me 40 years ago. Doesn't matter if I'm older, younger. It doesn't matter who's putting pressure on me. The bottom line is that cross has set me free from sin. Not so that I am forgiven and I can, I can manifest sin if I want to, but I am free from the pull, the desire, the hold of sin because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of the grace that's been given to me. Here it is. You ready? The reason why they're ignorant is because they go about to establish their own righteousness. I told you that a while ago. I can do what I want to do, Leroy. What are you going to do about it? I believe in Jesus. I can do what I want to do. Don't judge me. Don't we say that? Oh, we're good at it. Christians are even better at it. Don't judge me. I'm forgiven. If I want to go out here and have an affair, if I want to go get drunk, if I, whatever. And I'm, I, don't even, I don't even care about any of that stuff. What I'm trying to tell you is there's a consequence for everything and you're forgiven for everything. But still, it doesn't matter if you have the grace that you acknowledge, then you won't go about trying to establish your own righteousness. Your own righteousness is not the righteousness of God. Your own righteousness only calls the law down upon you. Going to establish their own righteousness. You judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm really, I don't judge anybody. I can't help it, if, you know, when you do things, like you run the stop sign and you have a wreck, somebody goes, I'm not judging. Did they run that stop sign? Well, there's skid marks in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> what do you think? How many stop signs you've been running and they've been hit yet? 
going, going around to develop your own righteousness. You know why God does not let people die too soon? Because he's so long-suffering, he's hoping you'll turn. What do you think this cross is all about? That's what it is. Give him another lash. Hit him in the face again. Kick him. Do what you want to do, but that's what he's doing. He's going to stand there. He's going to stay there. And it's just like he did it today, even though it was 2,000 years ago. Because they've not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. So when you get born again, you have to do what? Submit yourself to the grace given to you so you can now understand the more grace you operate in, the greater that sin now is nullified in your life. Instead of it always over, I can't help it. You ever hear people say, I can't help it. I just get madder than Hades. Well, you just you don't understand. When that plate of food comes down and I'm at that buffet, I got to get three plates. No, you don't understand the grace that you've been given to operate in. You don't. You don't understand the grace. We always think grace is for those real big things. If it's a big thing to you, then you need the grace to overcome it. And a big thing to you may not be a big thing to me. Maybe my big things are in my brain. Maybe my big things are not at the buffet. No, really. It's the truth. But we all think because, well, you know, there's some things that are different and we weigh some things so different. That's the definition of Christianity. It doesn't matter. God forgives everything. He does. Jesus took on all sin, every single bit of it, from whatever you can think of to whatever you can't think of. Mark 14, 36 says, And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. What was the cup? It was the cup of the sin of the world. Had to drink it. When you see the cross, that's what he had to drink. He had to drink the sin. I can't even, can you even comprehend that? Listen to me. Think of just one person. Think of yourself. Leroy, don't think of me right now. (laughs) Think of just yourself and all of your sin by itself. And multiply it by, I can't. Can you comprehend that? But, you know, I think we look at Christianity as 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 a free ticket to sin. Yes, we do. It's a free ticket to sin. I know I'm forgiven. I am. I can go do what I want to do. I'm forgiven. I know that. What's the big deal? If I don't want to witness to anybody, if I want to go do this or I want to go do that, I know I'm forgiven. Romans 4.15, because the law worketh wrath, for where, there, for where no law is, there's no transgression. What does that mean? Doesn't that sound crazy? I know it's King James. My wife don't like me to read King James. But here's the truth. Jesus fulfilled the law. But where you're going to live by your own righteousness, listen, the wrath of God now comes against you. You know how you're saying, well, you don't have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven. Okay, buy that. You're going to buy that, though. And you're going to buy it for an eternity. Now, you be thinking about this. If I'm right... I've hurt nobody. If you're wrong, you've hurt a lot of people and possibly your children, your family. Think about this. It's really important. If, the, if you're going to live by your own righteousness, that means that you're going to live by the law. You can't fulfill the law. Why? 
you can't be perfect. You can't do it all right. Why do you think that cross is up there? You couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. The Jews couldn't do it. The Pharisees couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. So they made him that knew no sin. He became sin. So I don't have to do it. He has done it for me. What he's done lives in me. And now the grace is living through me. And I can overcome the temptations that come my way. I like this. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Aaron, get this. I'm not under the law. So I can't sin. Not according to that cross. I know this blows people's mind. They can't get it. I'm not saying I can't do wrong and pay a consequence, but in the eyes of God, Jesus has took my sin. I can't sin because there's no law. I'm trying to explain this to y'all as best I can. I'm not under the law. If you're born again, you're not under the law. I can't sin. God looks right through the blood of Jesus and says what? God, don't you remember when I did what? There's no law. Matthew 5, 17. Think not I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. This is Jesus talking. I am come to de- I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. So what did Jesus do? Jesus is saying what the law required was not the blood of bulls and goats, as it talks in Hebrews, but what he's talking about is that it required a spotless lamb. A sinless human. He knew no sin, but he became sin. This is the definition of Christianity. Come on, James, get this with me. I can't sin. But as a result of that, that in Romans 6, 1, and even up into 5, it talks about don't use grace to sin. Use grace to overcome sin. But we do opposite in our definition. I can do what I want to do. Can I? Who's going to stop me? He fulfilled the law. Everybody understand what fulfill the law means? He was perfect. He died so that mankind would no longer have to live up to the big ten because his blood was perfect. He was sinless. He took on sin so that sin cannot overcome you. As Moses led the people out from Egypt, Jesus led us out from bondage of the law that only he could fulfill. Moses led them out of Egypt. Y'all know, y'all know the story of that? Moses led them out of Egypt, free from bondage, free from sin, free from being in a slavery. Jesus did the same thing. He led us out away from what we couldn't get rid of ourselves. Did you hear what I just said? I do what I want to do. No, you can't. Because you're not doing a good job. If you're doing your own right and your self-righteousness, you're ignorant of the righteousness of God. You're ignorant. You don't know, but you won't be ignorant after today. You'll know my identity is found in Christ. Why am I trying to be something I'm not? When he has defined me as something I am. I like it. Jesus led me out of bondage. 
He rose again from the dead. Do you understand? He laid three day graves there and made sport of the enemy, slam dunk, spiked everything in the end zone, came out and said, now I give this to you. He's the firstborn of many. I'm one of the many. Y'all say many. You're one of the many if you're born again. If you're not born again, you can be today. Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood. My wife used to have a a T-shirt said, this blood's for you. You know how you used to say, this blood's for you? She had a shirt on the front that said, this blood's for you. And of course, it was red, written in white, and on the back, it was Jesus. I loved it. I wore it to school one day up in Humble, Texas, and they told me, don't ever wear that again to school. <laughs> now, I could have worn, this blood's for you. But I couldn't wear, this blood's for you. Isn't that crazy? Remission. You know what remission is? Remission is a dismissal, a release, a release for the remission of sin. You've been released. Your sin has been, you line up and say, okay, I've done this, this, and this, and God says dismissed. What, me? No, the sin. It's the truth. It's been dismissed. Go ahead and think about all the things you've been doing. Think about all the things you don't think nobody knows. You already know God knows. Come on, somebody. Dismissed. I love it. I'm dismissed. But we still walk around in condemnation. Why? There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. The only reason you're condemned is because you're operating under the flesh and you know it. I was reading the other day on Facebook, someone was saying, we're all basically good people. You don't know me before I was born again. Howard, I wasn't no good. <laughs> I mean, are y'all with me? We're all good people. You're so good. Come on, somebody. You're so good. This is true. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? It's true. But the good comes without the presence of God. Are you with me? You have to pay attention today. I'm kind of going, stay with me. It comes from the tree that Adam ate from. That's, right. That's what the good comes from. That's right. Therefore, it is absent from God. So it is the type of good that is basically evil. Yep. When you hear somebody say, well, everybody's basically good. That's true. Yeah. See, sometimes we make arguments that we don't even know what we're arguing about because we don't know what we ought to be arguing for. So the best thing we should do should probably just be quiet. Most people are basically good. That's true. Because we came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good equals evil. Because good and evil are the same because they're both without God. I already talked about the good of God a while back. Surely you remember that. That was good, somebody said. No, it wasn't. God's good. I'm just teasing. Amen. Hmm. Romans 10, 2 and 5 says this. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. I want to go do what God wants to do. I got a zeal. What does he want to do? But not according to knowledge. So what they're going to do is going to be something they're conjuring up. I said this statement many times in this church. If we stopped doing what God told us not to do, what would we be doing? 
Most of us don't even know what I just said because you've never asked God what he wants you doing anyway. But not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Here we go again. Ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Uh-oh. Do you mean that I have to do that cuss word? It's worse than the F-bomb. It's called submit. I'm telling you all the truth. Submit? Me submit? I'm an American. They can all submit on them other countries. They don't know where we're from. We know who we are. We're Americans. What has that made us? Independent. We don't need a day of independence. We need a day of total dependence on God. I've never called, I've never called July 4th Independence Day since I've been saved. It's always been Dependence Day because I need him now more than I did yesterday. Have not submitted. See, that's when we're doing our own thing. Are you born again? Well, yeah, I'm born again. Well, what are you on this side of the street for? Because I can do what I want to. Who's stopping you? I got grace. I I got grace to do this. You do. But the consequences eventually are going to catch you because they're chasing you. For Christ is the end of the law. Come on, somebody say that. For Christ is the end of the law. If Christ lives in you, the law can't do anything to you. You're free from the law. You left Egypt. You left bondage and walked into freedom. Sin no longer has domination over you. You say, but I don't know. I can't help doing this. I know because you haven't released the grace that you've been given. Quit trying to do stuff and start trusting to do stuff. Trust him, not yourself. I don't even trust myself to do anything good. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try, y'all. I'm trying to get, Pastor. I'm going to try to get. <laughs> you think tears are worth Where's that cross at? You think your tears? Go ahead and cry. What does it make up for that? Well, we'll try it again. That's why you're going to keep trying it and trying it and trying it and trying it because you won't trust it. You won't trust it. You just won't trust it. That's the whole world of Christianity. They don't even understand the righteousness of God lives right in the middle of them. They have the power. If you, listen, we can't even get it. Popeye could put spinach in his mouth and it'd be battleships in each arm. How can he do that? As a kid, I'd eat spinach, hate every minute of it, and I never had a battleship nowhere. (laughs) But you can have the grace of God, and the enemy show up, and you can defeat him. Not because you pulled out a sword, but because you're spiritually have such an... an, an, you're in such an uh, you're flying at such an altitude that that devil can't even get that high. For Christ is the end of the law for everyone that believeth. I already told you what believe is. So, if you sin today, you have to sin under the law. And if you're truly a believer and you sin, 
have you sinned? He hadn't sinned. Not according to God's recollection. Now, is he weak because he chooses to forget? No. No. He's loving, but he because he chose to give his son, chose to give his son. Chose to give his son. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. That's what Moses did. All right, boys. Here's the big ten. You got to live by them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then we're going to do this other book, the Mishnah. It's going to be another 619 laws. And y'all are going to live by them. And those that don't, you're in trouble. If we find out some of the things you're doing, some of you are going to be stumped. Don't let your son smart talk back to you. Don't tell us if he does because he's going to be killed. And you're going to throw the first stone. We'd have a lot of generations not here today. (laughs) I'd be one of them. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law that the man that doeth those things. So you're going to... Are you going to, do you want to live by the Big Ten, Robert? Can you do that? You're going to live by the, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And every step you make, you're thinking, I hope I didn't do that. I hope I didn't do that. There are churches that still preach this. You don't even, I mean, you can't even lift your hands because there's a no hand lift clause. You can't. Why do they do it in the Bible? I think, I think they lifted their hands around. What's that town, Jericho? I think they marched around Jericho and on that seventh day, seven times, I think they started hooting and hollering and dancing and lifting their hands and playing the music and the wall fell. And I've been right where that wall fell. Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed be, that, cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them and all the people so sh- say amen. So if you're going to live by the law, cursed are you if you don't live by them. Listen, and if you can't live by them, look at me. Why are you expecting her to live by him? Somebody back there is expecting George to live to the law, but you don't live to the law because you're judging George. And you forgot because you judged him, the judgment that you're judging George is coming on you. I'm going to preach today. You like that law when it's on somebody else, don't you? And they say they're a Christian. Listen, I rent property. And I believe me, I lose more than I gain, I can promise you. But let me tell you this. Anytime that I do something that is within the right bounds that I'm supposed to do it, like claim rent. Like going to H-E-B and walking out without paying for it. Like claim rent that you signed a contract with that you're supposed to pay rent and you're supposed to pay it on time. And then I say, okay, if you don't pay rent, I'm going to have to kick you out. And you're a Christian? Not only that, you're a pastor. Oh, my gosh. I just go, I know it. I'm a sorry, dirty dog, but I still want my money. I do. Y'all don't understand. You just be a Christian and everybody know it. What you, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yeah, and I'm on, I ain't got nothing because you ain't gave me nothing. What are you talking about here? Has it ever happened to y'all? And you're a Christian. What is a Christian supposed to be? I'm going to stand for the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus stood up to the religious people. He didn't stand down. He stood up. 
He told them this, basically, you can't live by the law. That's why I'm here. Now, you better learn to live with it or you'll die without it. John 1, 29, the next day. Y'all got to hear this. I still got a little bit of time left. I'm on the first page. I think I'm teaching some of you something. Even though don't, you see, when I preach, you got to get past all the hollering and screaming because that's just having fun. It really is. I tried to be the mild-mannered reporter, but when I go into the phone booth, I come out as... <laughs> Turn on church clap. Every time I stand up, it's just like God goes, get him. It ain't get him. I want to encourage you. I want you to see who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to see you not always being overtaken by sin, but saying, I've overcome sin. Because he overcame, I'm coming over. I don't think we get that. Everything he did and what he stood for is mine. It's mine. Even if you do owe me rent, pay me, it's still mine in Christ. Jesus even said, go down and catch a fish, got money in it, pay the man his rent. John 1, 29, the next day, John the Baptist sees Jesus, right? Doesn't he see Jesus? He sees Jesus. I love it when he sees Jesus. Him and Jesus are cousins. John was filled with the Holy Ghost as soon as he saw Mary. Elizabeth was John's mama. Elizabeth saw Mary, and John was filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. Can you imagine? He was speaking in tongues all the way. Don't you know it's crazy? Boy, he came out of that womb preaching. You know it? He had to. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine? Do I believe that? Says so. Yes, I believe it. But the greatest thing is this. John's in in there getting ready. He's baptizing people. He's slinging people down. He talks about one that's cometh that does going to do a whole lot more than he's going to do. And da-da-da-da-da. Next thing he looks up and he goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He doesn't say there's my cuz. He didn't say there's my cuz. You know, all that kind of relationship and ignorance is gone. He looks up and sees his cousin for who he is now. See, it's about time for somebody to see you for who you are. Oh, you missed that, didn't you? I mean, I'm talking about as a Christian, it's time for somebody to see you for who you are in Christ. Instead of saying, oh, you go down to the remnant. Yeah, they think they're better than everybody else. No, God is in me, and he thinks that I'm better than what I'm used to be because he's in me. I'm only better because what's in me. The next day, John sees Jesus. Steve, I can see you. There's Steve, Steve Hawkins. He's the Lamb of God. Take away the sin of the world. Not quite. Steve doesn't do it. But that's what John says. John the Baptist is the forerunner of Christ. He came before him. He was running before him. Got it, Billy? So John sees him. He's baptizing people in the Jordan. I've been baptizing the Jordan. He's baptizing people in the Jordan twice, maybe three times. I went swimming in the Jordan. I barbecued on the banks of the Galilee. It blow your mind? I can't wait to go back. I celebrated their new year with them. They gave me barbecue. I even ate beef. Come on, somebody. I didn't tell nobody, but God knew. He said, it's all right. It was from my people. 
That's when you know you're righteous with God. He goes, go ahead and eat their sausage. I am. Go ahead and eat that lamb. Okay. And go ahead and eat that beef. I said, you know I will. I ate till I couldn't eat. They said, you want some more? I thought about it. I had to repent. I was at the buffet. What was I saying? Oh, and he says, John looks up and he goes, there's Jesus. You don't understand. There's, I'm telling you, if I don't go no further than here today, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You need to look up and see Jesus. You need to look up and try to define, stop trying to define your own Christianity. You need to look up and see that he's the Lamb of God. Do you know what that means? The Lamb of God. Before Jesus came to the planet, when they sinned in the law, they had to have sacrifices for their sin. So they would bring animals to the temple. And they would sacrifice these animals. When Jesus came, he was... He knew no sin. He was perfect. He was perfect. He did nothing wrong. He said, I always, in John 10, John, I don't know if it's 10, but in the Gospel of John, he says, I always do what the Father tells me to do. And if the Father is God and he is, then Jesus could do no wrong. Because if it even was a wrong, it would be a right because the Father told him to do it. Now, that'll blow your mind right there. (laughs) Isn't that good? It'd be like right now, or in the middle of our summers, and God said it's snowing. If God said it was snowing here in the summer, you know what he'd be doing? You said it can't be. If he's God, it'd be snowing. Now, I'm praying about that for next year. (laughs) Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. That's good preaching. Y'all didn't even amen. Y'all should have been really clapping these, this last summer. Yeah. If hell ain't real, yeah. Yeah. Texas has it. Amen? He said, Jesus, he's the Lamb of God. So G- picture Jesus. <laughs> it's the truth. John saw him as a lamb. He equated to what? See, the Jews crucified Jesus because they had to because they're the ones that were given the law. They had to crucify Jesus. Nobody else. Everybody goes, the Jews crucified Jesus. I know. They had to. You couldn't do it. You weren't given the law. They were. So John looks up and goes, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. But when he says Lamb, he's talking about a sacrifice. He's saying, here's what he's saying. He's baptizing people and he looks up because he's fixing to baptize Jesus. And he looks up and he goes, the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. And what he's saying is, you are going to the cross. And Jesus knows it or he wouldn't have let him be baptized. He knew it. He was being baptized into his ministry right then. And it was all heading where? Where's that cross? Put that cross back up there. That's where it was headed. That's the Lamb of God. That's the Lamb of God. You got it? They sacrificed this Lamb. That's the Lamb. You got to get this. I'm trying to teach you something. We always wonder, what what is this Lamb of God in Jesus? Because he was the final sacrifice. That's why there has to be no more. 
The Jews over there are still trying to sacrifice animals because they don't believe in Jesus. Not all of them. There are some Messianic congregations. There are some still trying to sacrifice that stuff for what when that's happened? The sad thing is some of us are still trying to sacrifice ourselves because we're going to do it like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Aren't you tired of doing things your way? I mean, you really ought to be tired. When he did this, and you're still going, I'm a believer, but. But what? Your but's your biggest problem. See, your mind went the wrong place. I'm talking about the one that you always put in between two phrases and justify your ignorance. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. The Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. That's not ugly enough. I want his guts showing. I want one eye down on his cheek because that's what it looked like. I want his nose smashed so you can't even recognize it on his face. This is too good. This is not good enough. I mean, this is too good. This is too good. Because y'all, you know, and then you look at that picture and go, yeah, it was 2,000 years ago. It's no big deal. It wasn't me. You're right. You better thank God it wasn't you. But he did it for you. When are you going to get this? If you get it to you. See, Christians need to live victory right now. The issue is, is we are the righteousness of God. Why do we sin? We are wrapped in flesh. But this sin that manifests through our flesh has been forgiven. Now, let me ask you something. So, truly in the eyes of God, if you're really born again, can you sin? It's true. Are you a sinner? No. No, can't be. Now, that, ain't gonna, that, that won't fly in any other church. But you've been taught it long enough to know better. Are you a sinner? No. You're a saint and a son that sometimes sins because you're wrapped in this mess. But that, what I'm trying to tell you is that this lamb that take away the sin of the world forgives that sin, but it doesn't give you the license because he's given you grace above it. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what I think this means? I don't believe we need to ask forgiveness to be saved again, but I believe it's more of a relational action to keep our conscience free to hear from God. If you go out and act like a monkey, I'm saying I'm not going to live for Jesus anymore. So why? The grace of God has not left you. He said nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Nothing. If you're his, you're his. So you go out and mess up, and for some reason the enemy says, God's sure mad at you, loser. Are you cr- God doesn't even know what you're talking about. I know that's a concept that's so difficult to believe that, that many people think I teach heresy in this, but I don't. You're either the righteousness of God or you're not. He says you are. Doesn't give me a license to sin, but it gives me the grace to overcome. Can you, can you not sin for 10 seconds? Come on, help me. Can you go for 20 seconds? Come on, help me here. Y'all are going, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> How about 
30 seconds. Give me 30, give me 30, give me 35, 35, 35, 40, 40, 40, 40, 50, 50, 50. I got 50, got 50, got 50 right there. 60, 60, come on, give me 60. How about 80, 80, 100, 100, 100. Oh, God. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? If you can go through 10 seconds, you can go through 20. You can go through 20, you can go through 30. You can go through 30, you can go through 40. Listen, when you get used to not sinning, you just don't sin. And I'm not talking about law. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about not using grace as the excuse. I'm talking about using grace for preventative. Are you getting this? The grace of God is so hard to explain. But first, when you, when you get in it, it gets in you, you become the righteousness of God. That's hard to, that's hard to believe. Anybody look at you and say, you're the righteousness of God. Anybody look at me and say, I'm the righteousness of God. Isn't that right? But I am. You know why I am, Jason? Because the Bible says I am. I think we're always waiting for affirmation and confirmation from some loseration. I made that up. I know you couldn't tell. Isn't it the truth? Well, if Leroy thinks I'm okay, I'm okay. Leroy, I love you, but if you don't think I'm okay, I don't care. (laughs) And Leroy better think the same thing. I care about his well-being, and I pray for him. But bless God, if he messes up, I don't think he's thrown out the grace of God. The Bible says nothing can separate me from God once I'm born again. Nothing. You say, but you don't know what I've done. I guarantee collectively we all been monkeys, ain't we? Who hadn't? Who haven't who hasn't just done some crazy things and but no, we're different. How they we give the enemy the right to say, but but you know, you're different. Your sin, he shows that up there, but you're saying, Bob, he doesn't forgive you. Devil's saying he don't forgive you. No, he don't forgive the devil. But he surely forgives you. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. How much iniquity? How much iniquity? Billy, how much iniquity? What does all mean? Every bit of it. But what about when you? Okay, so I was waiting for But what about when you did? But you know that thing that nobody knows about? Every single one. Well, don't fight me. Hey, are we telling the truth here? Are we going to get the truth here? He's either God of all or he's not God at all. He's either loves us like he says he did. This is a true picture and a statement and an action that really happened or it didn't. Now, what do we believe? Well, what about George? You know, what about? You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I love it. Good job. I love it. You know what George said? I don't know and don't care. That's right. That's exactly right. Listen to me. I'm not telling you that you're supposed to be a stumbling block to other Christians. That's what the grace does. It gives you the ability to rise above because he rose again. Are you getting me? Cooper, are you getting this? But what about when you did? <laughs> See, what you don't understand, if God doesn't remember it, why are you remembering it? Amen. Yeah. Come on, Amen. Coach. Yes. Amen. 
Yeah, but you just, me and my wife, oh my gosh, y'all know how hard marriage is. I've been married 48 years and I thought it'd be easier by now. But I'll tell you what we don't do anymore. And it takes a long many years to not, and I don't know why it doesn't have to. Because God never throws my sin up at me from my past. But bless God, when you're married, you just throw mud up from the past. You remember when you ran into that tree? You remember when you lost that credit card and we lost $1,000? You know what I'm saying? Back when you were first married, you should just remember everything. Somebody, remember when you left the car door open and you backed out and caught it on the garage door? Uh, you know? And you didn't tell me I had to figure it out because I couldn't open the back door. How did that happen? Oh, I sort of remember. But don't we do that? Then when you get married long enough, you don't care because you both do it so much you can't remember who did it last. <laughs> I'm telling y'all the truth. You better listen to that one. Y'all don't know it yet. I know that. Yes, me and my wife, we'd like to throw mud now, but we can't think of any. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, you want to say something. Robert, yeah, you know. Don't be acting like you're all young over there. She's young. You're not. I'm telling you all the real truth of this, man. You're sitting there trying to figure all this stuff out, and you want to sling something. That's what Christ, Christ never slings mud at you. Yeah. Why? Because every time the devil tries to sling mud at you, it hits Jesus. Yeah. You know I don't want to say mud. I want to say crap, and I don't want to say crap. I want to say, but I want to say this. Every time. Every time. Every time. And the problem is, you say, no. He surely won't forgive it again. Mm. No, don't take it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him take it. James 5, 16. I like this and I'm almost done. That could be a lie. It depends on how much longer I need. God tells me to preach. James 5, 16. It's a great verse. Confess your faults one to another. I'm going to straighten this verse out for some people today. Y'all might already know it. Y'all ever heard this verse before? Confess your faults. Okay, Virginia, let me tell you everything I've been thinking of doing wrong. Look at her leaning in. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've never seen nobody lean in that good. Are you, are you a confidant? The way you leaned in, I don't know. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, this does not mean you need to confess your deep, dark sins or thoughts to someone. If I mess up, I don't have to go, okay, you won't believe what I did. I ain't talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to talk to somebody don't care. <laughs> Leaning up in here. What it means is this. If I fault you, I'm going to confess my sin to you. If, Matthew 18. If I haven't faulted you, why would I confess my sins? I have one mediator. Where's it? It's in, uh, where's it at? Yeah. Second, uh, 1 Timothy 1.15. Is that it? 
I have one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus because he lives in me. He's the righteousness of God. So if I wrong you, Billy, I'll come to you and tell you I wronged you and I'm sorry. But if I sin and it's between me and God, then I'm going to take it up with God. I'm not going to confess my sin to somebody because most people, not Virginia, of course, most people, <laughs> most people can't handle you telling them anything about your life. And too many of y'all have too many best friends. The problem is your best friend has another best friend. And when y'all have a falling out, you know what happens. Uh, you know what she said about it to me one time? What'd she say? She did. And all of a sudden, the whole town knows about what you told your best friend. Your best friend is your Jesus, one. Your husband, second. Or your spouse. You getting me? You don't just have anybody you go tell things to. If I wrong you, George, I apologize. I'm going to ask you to forgive me, and you don't have a choice. (laughs) It's not George that's going to forgive me. It's the righteousness of God. You have to get this. No matter what George wants to do, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have a choice. He has to forgive me. But he doesn't have to work at it. And if he does, it's his flesh that's dominating. Because the Spirit of God, get this, doesn't even know what I'm talking about. So George has to go, forgive you, Pastor. And I mean, that's done. He's not throwing that up at me again. It's over. It's done. Why? Because it's the righteousness of God working in him. And if the righteousness of God has forgiven you, then you, knowing all of what he did for you, have that operating in you with a current relationship with God in Christ must automatically forgive me. Like it or not. Are y'all getting this? Is this so shallow y'all just going, I knew all that. It's kind of hot in here. You hot? Y'all ought to be me. All right. I guess this will be my last thing. I hate to do it because here's why. You only have church once a week. You know, we're still having small groups. We have a couple of more weeks of that, which I've really loved Romans. I mean, I got Romans coming out of my veins. I've been reading it so much. I love Romans. John 1, 12. But as many as received him. But as many as received him. So you have to believe and receive. To, to, to them he gave power. What is power? What is power? Grace. What is power? I can't hear you. One tubby tubby. I can't hear you. Y'all don't know that movie? It's great, isn't it? I can't hear you. But as many as received him, get this, Jason, to them he gave grace power. To become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We've already talked about belief. Quit trying to make your own American Christianity. Because you can't stand and say you're a Christian, but say you do it this way. You do it this way. That's what my wife did the other day. She picked up somebody's Bible and 90 things came out of it. Why do you put this stuff in your Bible? Have you ever, Mark things. 
I think it's against the law. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry, you're not under the law. I like this, and it's my last verse, really. I'm going to skip one. Romans 1 7. To all that be in Rome. I've never been to Rome. I'd like to go. To all be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Are you ready? What's it say? Grace. What's it say? Grace. What is grace? Power. Power. It's the power of his righteousness. It's the power for you to be able to say, no, I have something in me that's greater than this coming against me. No, I'm going this way. I'm not going that way. Are you listening to me? Call to be what? Do you know you're a saint? You're, there's so many people that think you need to be on a disc. <laughs> Rennie says she's having a disc made. What is it called? The, the, the Saint Rennie. But we all could have our own disc made. And on the back, Grace. Saint Dennis. Saint Robert, maybe. Are you listening to me? Grace to you, and if you have grace, that means you have power. And if you have power, you have peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I could keep going because i got a lot more to do. But I'm telling you about Christianity. I want you to know, if that's not the bottom line, Pastor Kobe says this all the time. The cross has a final word. It either does or it doesn't. You can leave out of here and go, but. Don't, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, the cross has the final word. In your life, in my life, and if we would ever get this message, the people we come in contact with the world, you wouldn't have to so much even tell them about Jesus. They would see Jesus. They would see Jesus. The problem with Christianity in America today is people... We want to tell them about Jesus, and then after we do, we want to act like we don't know Jesus. You know, we want to go with them and do what they do. The world and you are not supposed to fraternize. You're supposed to be different because you have the best answer. You have the only answer. I'm going to ask you today, would you bow your head with me? Where are you in Christ today? Is this picture still in your heart? Is grace in operation? Or you just know of grace? Or do you have your own belief? You know, you've kind of exited the Bible. You've exited the power of God. You don't go to church because you don't, you know, you don't have to be a Christian to go to church. Find that in the Bible for me. Hebrews 10, 25 says you do. And it's not that you have to. The grace of God calls you to, and you won't do. You don't have to do any of the things that you're doing because grace has released you from doing anything that's against God. Grace. It'll never remind you of what you used to do. It'll always tell you what you can do today. Grace. 
I love it. That's how I operate in grace. I operate in knowing I'm not condemned. I don't use it for a license to sin, but I operate in knowing I don't have to sin. If I can sin for 10, not sin with 10 seconds, I can surely do it 20. If I can go without sin for 20 seconds, I can do it for 30. If I can do it for 30, why? I can do it for a lifetime because the grace of God has released me from sin. So I'm calling on you today that, that, that want grace to operate. I want, I'm calling on you today that I've never had grace to operate in your life. And I'm going to do something that I haven't done in a long time. I'm going to have an altar call. You that have stopped grace, I want you to come on up here to the altar. You that are not operating in grace, come on up here to the altar. You afraid? Look at the cross. You can look at the cross right now. He wasn't afraid. No, you look at the cross. I want you to look at it. He wasn't afraid. This is what he did for you. This is not gory enough. He was naked. He was beaten unrecognizable. And he did this. And he became sin, your sin, so that you can be filled with the righteousness of God. And I'm calling you up here.